conference in Ottawa, in Canada. Um, and then the following weekend, we'll actually be at Shekinah Worship Centre, which is Pastor Joe Sweet's church. Um, we'll be with Brother Sadu and Dr. Bruce Allen and Pastor Joe and some others for those two weekends. Um, so pray for us. We've just spent an absolute fortune on airfares, which, you know, this isn't one of those trips away, as, as Israel wasn't one of those trips away where we get to go and preach and, and get paid to preach. This is actually a cost. It's a sacrifice because we're bringing something back for Australia. Amen. So get ready for it. Get ready for it. Who was challenged by last week's message? Good. Because that was the introduction to the introduction, which is today. Thank you for dancing with me too, Carolyn. <laughs> that was the introduction. We're actually going to spend the next eight weeks, starting today, talking about the seven deadly sins. As I said, today's the introduction. But starting next week, we'll be talking about pride. Closely followed by anger the weekend after. Now you can look at pride as in pride in yourself or pride as in what we see happening out there in the world. So we're going to kick over a few more sacred cows. Is everyone okay with that? Yes. Good. I hear Carolyn laughing. She loves it. This lady breaks sacred cows like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Now, the seven deadly sins are the inward attitudes that affect character as well as conduct. You know, some people say, well, why don't I get the anointing? Well, maybe your character can't carry it. So that's why we're going to work through these things. The lucky thing for you guys is for two weekends during this, I'll be away. So you're going to get a break in between to recover. And Pastor Ramel will preach. So maybe you won't get a chance to recover at all. He'll just keep going with it. Through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be delivered from the seven deadly sins, can't we? And today we're going to talk about something that's really important. And the reason I wanted to start with those two songs this morning, those two Hebrew songs. Isn't it good that we all learned some Hebrew today? Can you imagine 550 delegates at a conference, plus all the volunteers and the worship team singing and dancing to those two songs? It was absolutely incredible. That's why we wanted to start off with them. But it fits in with today's message really well. And it's Christian citizenship is the salt that saves. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you today for your blessings on our nation. We thank you for our form of government, even though we may not like them. We thank you for our form of government. We thank you for our freedoms and our liberties that we enjoy as citizens of this country. We pray, Father, that you will help us be a godly people. Help us to serve you, Lord, in such a way that we might become better citizens of this country and of this city even in which we live. Help us to give ourselves supremely, Lord, to you as we seek to be good citizens in our communities. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The text we're going to concentrate on today is Matthew 5.13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, its purpose, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery, it says in the Amplified Version. The scriptures we're going to work through are Matthew 5, 13 to 16. But during worship, the Lord prompted me to go a couple of verses in front of that as well. I'm going to start in verse 10. There won't be slides for these first couple. Verse 10 says, Blessed, happy and enviable, fortunate and spiritually prosperous, now, we touched on some of the prosperity gospel people last week, didn't we? My Bible says spiritually prosperous. It's not about money. But seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. 
spiritually prosperous in the state which the born again child of God enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of his personal outward conditions, it says in the Amplified Version, are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for being and doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're doing the right thing and being the right thing and being persecuted, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty good, isn't it? Verse 11, blessed, happy, to be envied and spiritually prosperous. Again, spiritually prosperous. With life, joy, satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of your outward conditions. I love that it adds that bit in. Regardless of your outward conditions. No matter what's going on in your life. Are you, when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account, do you get attacked as believers? Do people talk about you? Do you not like what they say? Blessed, happy and to be envied are you, this says. Verse 12, be glad and supremely joyful. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? For your reward in heaven is great. It's strong and it's intense. For in this same way, people persecute the prophets, sorry, persecuted the prophets who were before you. The prophets before you were persecuted as well. Take joy in that. Be happy. The prophets that we see wandering around the world at the moment are probably not the same prophets that were in the Bible. So verse 5, 13 through to 16 talks about the disciples in the world. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, its purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. Verse 14 says, You are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light. You have the light within you. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and, gives, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Does anyone turn on the lights at home at night and then cover them up so they can't see? No, makes no sense at all, does it? Verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognise and honour and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men. Why as believers are we ashamed of the gospel? Why don't we tell people about Jesus? Why is that? We're called to let our light shine. I love, some of you will remember a few months ago, maybe around Christmas time, we had a, we couldn't use the hall and we're in the small room in there and we had our worship outside just in the little back bit there. And one of our neighbours from across the back comes over and her conversation started. I mean, I love when conversations start like this. You Christians! It's like, hallelujah, lady. Would you like to join us? Then she manifested. Let our light shine. She was upset by the worship music. And that's some of the best worship we've had in this church. She was upset by that because we were letting our light shine move that a little bit. I believe that all that is going on within the world, it's a good time to ask ourselves this question. Are we being responsible citizens, citizens of this country? We need to ask ourselves that. We'll have an election soon. Are we being good citizens? If we really love our country, we should be leading it, right? What happened during gay marriage? What happened with all this pride stuff that's being pushed upon everyone now? Where was the church? We should be leading. We should be the light of the world. The Bible tells us that. Why are we hiding under a basket? We need to lead our nation to worship God and to be a responsible nation among nations. Does anyone think our government's doing a good job of making us responsible? We're about to divide the country in two. 
My prayer is that it doesn't even get to a referendum. And our, our, our nation will be embarrassed, but our government will be so embarrassed they will have to resign. We are to lead our nation to worship God and be responsible among other nations. Our scriptures today emphasise the influence of the ideal followers of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't we want to be ideal followers? The text declares that we must function as salt and we are to serve as the light of the world. Christian citizenship is applying the principles and values of the Christian faith in our world through appropriate involvement in the political process. I'm going to get a little bit political today, something I don't normally do, but we need to be involved appropriately in the process, don't we? Who just voted for a party last time? Who just chose a freedom party because they thought they were going to be better for us? That's how Labor got in, with the Greens. We need to start thinking through the process. I know Nick pulls these politicians apart. He works at a radio station. Don't you, Nick? Question them and love it. They may not want to talk to you again, but you get the answers, right? As followers of Christ, we should be more than eager to apply spiritual and moral principles based on our faith and obedience to God to everything in our lives, not just the things that we want. We can take four different stances toward our country and toward our church. First stance we can take is we can be critical but not loyal. We could specialise in identifying problem areas. Now, these are the people you normally see in the church. We could specialise in identifying problem areas but fail to generate constructive solutions. You know, they're the people that go, oh, you know, worship was too loud, room was too hot, room was too cold. Pastor Gary mentioned hell. I don't want to go there. But there's no solution, right? Just complaining. That's the moany part of testimony. The second thing is we can be loyal but not critical. That's dangerous. We've seen that in other churches. We could have a line that is so loyal but it's so superficial to a group of which we are part. You know, we see that in some of the big American evangelical churches, don't we? The pastor can do no wrong. We're actually seeing that in Australia at the moment with a particular evangelist in our city. Third, we can be neither critical nor loyal. And consequently, those people have no real dedication in their hearts. Should be right, mate. It's the Australian way, right? Not critical, not loyal. And the fourth thing is we can be both critical and loyal. In this case, our commitment is genuine, isn't it? Love and respect often demand discipline and rebuke. Who has children? Do we discipline them? Do we, re do we rebuke them? We do it in love, right? Who was a child? Were you disciplined? Were you rebuked? Was it done in love? Sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> Welcome to my family. But sometimes that rebuke is done in love. We need a renewed faith and an obedience to God and service to our country and to its people. I'm talking to the church here. I'm not talking to the world. We need a renewed faith. So what are some of the guidelines for responsible Christian citizenship? We're going to work through some of them. First one is Christians need to mix religion and politics. A little bit different to what we were taught, right? Religion and politics should never cross over and they should not be spoken about. I say rubbish to that. That's why we're where we're at now. They need to be mixed together. You imagine if we had true Christian politicians, say true, in bold and underlined. We cannot eliminate religion from politics. What was one of the reasons Scott Morrison, whether you love him or not, was voted out? Because he was Christian. One of the big reasons, that was attacked continually. Whether he did good or bad, he did some dodgy stuff. 
But I think a lot of people who wanted him out would probably be saying, hey, maybe he should come back now. <laughs> Trying to figure out whether I should possibly upset some people or not. <laughs> All right, enough people are saying go on. If you're offended, I'm not sorry. If you voted Labor, how can you call yourself a Christian? They're communist. Ask our Chinese brothers and sisters whether they would vote for the Labor Party. That should give you your answer which way you should be going. Some of our Chinese sisters up the back are laughing. They know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Christians, the second thing is need to understand the real issues that confront us. Do we actually understand the issues? Do we understand that child trafficking happens in our city? Do we understand that our current Queensland Labor government is changing the laws so it's okay to urinate in public? I'm serious. Do we understand what's happening? Or do we just go, oh no, we can't vote Liberal, we can't vote Labor, we can't do this. I said it the other week, didn't I? Left wing, right wing. The Greens are the tail that's controlling the bird. Christians need to be politically active. I love the fact that we have two members of our church volunteer for a political party when there's an election on. I'm not going to say who they are or what party it is. But we've got to be active. Christians need to work with others. That's a little bit hard, isn't it? We need to work with others who are promoting worthy biblical causes. Some Christians should be actually running for political offices. There's people in this room who maybe you should be considering running for politics. I was actually asked to at the last election. Praise the Lord I said no because that's not my calling. All Christians need to vote intelligently. There's two things there. We need to vote because if we don't, we can't say, oh, how'd they get in? Second one is we need to do it intelligently. Think about it. Are they supporting gay marriage or abortion? Are they supporting euthanasia for the elderly? Do what they are promoting line up with what the Bible says. And Christians must have a higher loyalty. Loyalty to God takes precedence over all other loyalties. Let me say that again because I think only Pastor Amanda and Sue heard it. Loyalty to God takes precedence over all other loyalties. Awesome. Cody and Sally heard at that time as well. There's four of us, five of us. I feel the message cutting through, Pastor Amanda. <laughs> Salt is a valuable item. It's actually our first point today. I've never done a two-week introduction but to a series before. But I think it's important. Salt is a valuable item. In the days in which Christ lived, salt was extremely valuable. So this sentence from the Sermon on the Mount could mean you are extremely valuable. Can we think about that? You are extremely valuable. The Lord loves you. He's chosen you. Do you think you chose the Lord? No. He chose you. Not everyone is going to heaven. Hell is going to be overcrowded. You are valuable. When foods, especially vegetables, if you grew up in my era where your mother boiled the vegetables till they were grey, <laughs> some of you understand that, right? When foods taste flat and need seasoning, more salt is the remedy, isn't it? When you get those... I haven't been able to eat beans until I met Pastor Amanda. Because I didn't realise that greens were actually, green beans were actually green. I seriously thought they were grey and boiled to death. And even now when I have them, I enjoy them, but I look at them and go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Some of us are, you know, that era, right? 
More salt is the remedy. You are the salt of the earth. You are the remedy to what's going on in this world. Can we say that again? Because I don't know if everyone heard it. You are the remedy for what's going on in this world. Who enjoyed COVID lockdowns? Who did anything about it? Some of us still kept meeting for church. Some of us just said, you won't let us in your restaurant? Great. The one next door will. You know, if enough of us just said we're not playing that game, there would have been no lockdowns. And there's more coming. Let me assure you, there's more coming. Persecution has started. We know it starts in Jerusalem. One of the universities, there was an attempt to burn it down just in the last couple of days. These tiny white crystalline cubes that we call salt are necessary for the health of our bodies. Throughout history, salt has played an important part in people's lives. People that were living close to the sea back in Jesus' times could obtain a plentiful supply, couldn't they? But inland dwellers, they had to barter for it. Part of a Roman soldier's pay was given to him in salt and it was called salarium. This is where we get the word salary from. See, I actually do some research when I, when I do a message. I don't just make it up as I go. Some of it I do. But <laughs> the Lord's talking to me, Sue, so just wait till the end. A second thing today is salt is an essential part of our human diet. You are the salt of the earth. One of the things I, I did on my 40-day fast was I made sure I had salt every single day. And you know, little pink salt crystals, after a few days, they become quite tasty, I can assure you, <laughs> because your body's craving it. You try and eat one when you don't need it. When you do need it, you're eating five or six at a time because your body's craving that salt. We cannot live without salt. It's a, it's a necessary item for digestion of food. In fact, some people who sweat excessively in the heat, I used to do it when I was triathling, coaching triathletes and, and racing myself. You wouldn't pick it now, would you? That I used to do Ironman triathlon. When, they, when you... You sweat excessively, especially in summer. Some people who work hard in summer do this as well. They need to take salt pills to be able to maintain their strength. They might take electrolytes. It's the same thing. It's salt. Jesus was saying to his disciples that they were an essential part of a good society. Why, therefore, do we have so few Christians out there if they're such an essential part of society? Why do we have so many churches that don't preach the gospel? They just entertain people every Sunday. Aren't we supposed to be lifting people up, moving them on to perfection? Without Christians who live out their faith, no society can be what God wants it to be. Who's living out their faith? Who wants to be living out their faith? Because if we don't want to be living out our faith, I'm not doing my job and you're wasting my time. We're called to live out our faith. We want society to be what God wants it to be. Third thing is salt is a substance that's used to, to prevent decay. Do we know that? Salt is used to prevent decay. Many countries still now, they salt their meats. In the days before modern refrigeration, salt was used almost exclusively to preserve meat from decay. I think the meat of the world is in decay right now, don't you? Yeah. So if you're the salt of the earth, you should be rubbed all over it, rubbed into it, every nook and cranny. You should be in there to prevent decay. Most likely Christ was thinking about that use for salt when he called his followers the salt of the earth. 
followers of Jesus are called to prevent personal decay. Just going to let that sink in for a minute. You are called to prevent that decay. So are we doing any more than just meeting on a Sunday morning? Are we, are we out there in the world? Are we doing anything? Followers of Jesus Christ serve as the salt in the home to prevent spiritual decay in the home and moral decay in the home. If you've got children, you know what I'm talking about. They'll push your buttons. They'll bring everything from the world in with them. Don't let it in your house. Christian citizens preserve the nation from deterioration. It's time we start standing up, church. Time we start speaking up. Everyone here's got a voice. Everyone here can move. I saw everyone dancing and singing earlier. We can all move. We can all speak. We can all press share on Facebook or YouTube. It's time we start speaking up. Some of the things I see Christians sharing on YouTube and Facebook is absolutely ridiculous. Let's start doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. Salt is used universally to bring out the flavour of foods. Remember those grey beans I was talking to you about? They still tasted horrible with heaps of salt on them, but they were better. You, as believers, you, as the salt of the earth, when I say you, I'm talking about me as well, are to bring out the flavour of Christ in this world. Too many of us sit there and go, Lord, move in my life, move in my family, move in my workplace, my school, whatever it might be, but we stay there doing nothing ourselves. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light. The light is within you. It's within you. There's studies being done. If you watch some of Dr. Bruce Allen's teachings, each cell of our blood is light. Those electrical impulses that happen in our brains and in our hearts, that's light. We are made up of light. You are the light of the world. Followers of Christ should bring out the best in our family members, the best in our, in our work colleagues' lives, the best of each other in our church perhaps even. Those who love God and purpose to do right in all circumstances can bring a refreshing zest to the business world. Because, you know, business and, and religion shouldn't mix either, right? Rubbish. Mix them together. Mix them together. If your Muslim brothers and sisters can pray five times a day at work, why can't you? How does that offend people? Why is it okay for them and not you? Now, these are things we're going to start thinking about. That's why last week it was, what do you believe? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You've got to start believing it. Not just wandering through life aimlessly. Christian teachers and students can have a wholesome effect in the classroom, can't they? Or on the playground or in extracurricular activities. I remember at the beginning of the year, might have been December, I think it was January, we went and prayed over a lot of the teachers in the city. There were four or five pastors, quite a few teachers there. It was a beautiful thing. We were commissioning them to do what they are called to do in this city. Because we know our schools are a breeding ground for badness, right? We've seen what teachers are teaching. We actually had, were, were blessed to meet a teacher from somewhere in the States, North Carolina, where we're in Israel. And they're telling us what's being pushed on the children over there. And it's coming here. Now, what we've seen is nothing yet. 
And we said, well, how do you go with that? And she goes, I just don't teach it. I just ignore it completely. That's what we are called to do. From the courthouse to parliament house, Christians should prevent decay and bring good taste to all government activities. I've never preached on government before. You might not ever hear me preach about government again. It's not one of my, actually I do love politics, but it's not one of my favourite subjects within the church. But we've got to get our heads right. We've got to start reading this and stop watching the news. Stop listening to what the world's telling us. Yet we're in Israel and we're, we're hearing about how bad it is over there. On the news. We didn't see anything. We're in South Korea the week before that. And North Korea is launching rockets at South Korea. It's all over the news in Australia. We didn't know about it. Apparently, air raid sirens and everything went off. We just slept through it. Peacefully sleeping through it. Don't listen to what the news is telling you. Don't listen to them. This is the answer you need. Whatever is going on in your life, the answer is in here. I'm going to finish up early today, Pastor Amanda. We get some more worship? Awesome. As we finish up, in Matthew 5.13, Jesus pointed out the possibility of disaster, didn't he? In Matthew 5.13, there was a possibility of disaster. The salt can lose its saltiness and become worthless. Do you think some of our churches have lost their saltiness? And going, becoming worthless is probably a step too far because I believe every church has a place. It may just not be a place in the kingdom. The basic chemical nature of salt can be destroyed through erosion and contamination. We're in the Dead Sea only three weeks ago, Pastor Amanda. You want to see salty? Like if you've had a shave even the day before, let me tell you, you're going to feel it. Pastor Amanda's floating away. She's on top of the water. Because when you float on it, it's... I can't even explain it. It's thick and it's oily on your skin. It's salty. Pastor Amel got some in his eyes. It stings, right, Pastor Amel? <laughs> Pastor Amel, we were told to do, not to do three things. Don't splash around, don't float on your belly and don't get it in your mouth. Pastor Amanda's on her belly splashing around. She's a rebel, all right? We all know that now. It, a tiny little bit of water goes up her nose, down her throat. I've never seen her move so fast in my life. <laughs> Took like three days to stop stinging, didn't it? That saltiness can be destroyed by contamination and erosion. What is true in the physical world can also happen in the spiritual realm, can't it? Can we just turn that down just a little, please? What is true in the physical world can also happen in the spiritual. What can we do to prevent this calamity from falling upon us as followers of Christ? Speak up, yes. And the first thing is we need to recognise and respond to who we are and what we are. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, what are you doing with it? Do you actually believe it? Do you believe it? Do you know who you are? Do you know you're the son or the daughter of the Most High God? Because if you do, some of us need to start living that way. Second thing is we should read the Scriptures, not just as lessons to learn, but as God's instructions to us that we should carry out in our daily lives. It's all in here. If you're not sure what you should be doing, it's in here. If you're not sure what you're doing, go to Pastor Shane and Cindy's Tuesday nights. They are the best looking couple in the church. 
Jump online, you'll be able to see. Pastor Shane's now my favourite. He made me a coffee when I got here this morning. The third thing is we should listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I just spent three Fridays before we went away teaching on how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We should listen to it as He leads us forward in commitment to God and in service to others. When you come to church and serve, you're not serving me. You're serving God. You're serving others. You know, the people that we see getting blessed continually are the ones that go on Tuesday night. They're the ones that watch our midweek services. They're the ones that go to the prayer meetings on a Wednesday night. They're the ones that go to the prayer meeting on a Saturday morning because they're willing to sacrifice. So many of us sacrificed our life for two years, didn't we? To keep the government happy. Let's start sacrificing our lives for Him. There's a big difference. It was prayed a couple of weeks ago at the prayer meeting. I can't remember who it was, but I thank you for it. That at some stage I will be locked up. Hallelujah. Get your bail money ready. Michael, we're going to have to put the price of deliveries up so someone can get me out. The fourth thing is we need to be aware of the danger of drifting through life and accomplishing nothing. We're worried about what we accomplish for our families and for our businesses and for our bosses. What are you accomplishing for the Lord? Are you just wandering through life? I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sunday. We only have a one hour service, but uh, that's enough, I've ticked the box. Are we those sort of Christians? Or are we actually accomplishing something for the Lord? The reason we've just spent way too many thousand dollars to go to Israel and then go to Canada and the US in a few weeks time is because we're sacrificing something for the Lord. Not for our benefit. If you know me, looking forward to another six flights is not a highlight of my life. But we're doing something for the Lord, for this nation. Let's not drift through life, let's accomplish something. The fifth thing is we need to respond to correction and rebuke. Oh, yeah, quite that went then, no? We need to respond to correction and rebuke so that we might be blameless in God's sight. It's much better off you hearing from me or Pastor Amel, hey, I don't think you should go down that path, than hearing from God, I did not know you. Which one do you want to hear from? Thank you. <laughs> and out of myself and Pastor Amel, I'll be the one who probably delivers it a little bit softer. And I say that with love. That's why we're both married to beautiful women that have such a grace on their life and a mercy on their life because we need both, right? Persecution and martyrdom is coming. And let me tell you, many will flee. We saw it through COVID. So many people gave in. They dobbed in their neighbours. They dobbed in their neighbours. Persecution and martyrdom has started. There will be people in other countries martyred today. Persecution has started in Israel. The Jews are attacking Christians and Messianics. It's happening. Pentecost Sunday, in just the last couple of days, the university being burnt down. There was another meeting where it was actually in another college, I believe, where a heap of Jews come in and started fighting with a worship session. They're worshipping on stage. Women and children are being beaten up. I tell you, persecution has started. Starts in Jerusalem and goes out. Many are going to flee, but we want to remain blameless before the Lord. We are the light. We are the salt. Do you know that you have the sword of the Spirit? You know, the sword is the only offensive weapon. Everything else given to us is defensive. The armour, the shield, the helmet, the shoes, that's all defensive. The sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon. So what are you doing with it? The sword of the Spirit is the Word. 
Start doing something with it. God has called you to look for trouble. Actually, we were never taught that either, were we? We were taught the opposite. Don't go looking for trouble. God's called you to go looking for it. Our families might actually start thinking we are a culture. Oh, dear. <laughs> actually, they already do. We're called to look for trouble. When you see wrong, say something about it. If you see a guy who identifies as a woman walk into your a lady's toilet and your daughter's in there, what are you going to do? Are you going to congratulate them or are you going to become the tooth fairy? Seriously, we're called to look for trouble because we're standing up for right. You know, I had a pastor, one of our friends, want to have a coffee with me this week after last week's message. We didn't do that. We're called to look for trouble. We are called to attack. We are called to attack the world. Why do we stand back and go, oh, the world did this to me. Oh, they hit me again. Attack. For the love of our Lord, attack. Look what the Israelites do. Hamas or Hezbollah launch a few rockets. Most of them fall back in the Gaza Strip. And then they go, well, you know what? I think when we were there, there was like 1,600 rockets launched in the time we were in Israel. One actually landed in Israel. But the response from the Israelites is incredible. They go, you want to play that game? We'll attack. And they wipe out whole suburbs. We are called to attack, church. It doesn't mean everyone has to do it. There's enough of us here that are fighters. We just need to make sure when we turn around, you're behind us. We'll lead the way. We will lead the way for you. We we are to be the light, church. Be the light. Be the salt. When you put the armour on that God has given you, don't take it off for anything or anyone. Too many of us get home from church on Sunday and go, oh, that was great, I'm going to take the armour off now. And then wonder on Monday why we get attacked by the world. Leave it on. Don't take it off. Come with me, church as we go on to perfection, redeeming this land for the Lord. Let me tell you, as we go through this redeeming the land process, we're not redeeming it for Aboriginals or Maoris or Africans or or the white man or anyone. We're redeeming it for Him. And guess where the attack's gonna come from? Not from the world, from the church. Come with me. This is your invitation, come with me. You don't have to, but I'm inviting you to come with me. When we were in Israel, I'm going to read this to you. The Lord gave me a vision. It was one night during worship. I think it was on night three. The Lord stood in front of me. The Lord stood in front of me. And He said, I know the burden you carry for this nation. This was actually prophesied over us before we planted the church as well. I know the burden you carry for this nation. I have put this burden inside you. Has anyone else got that same burden for our nation? Has anyone got the burden for the nation that they've come from? And I will use you to bring the restoration and reformation that you have seen. I've seen it. I know what it looks like. He says, trust me. I will open the doors for you and you will walk through them in my name. That's the reason we're going to Canada in a few weeks' time. That's the reason we'll be in the US the weekend after that. The Lord says, you are strong enough and I am with you. This is what He said to me. but That's what He's saying to you as well. The doors are opening. You have the choice. You can come with me or you can just be dragged along because we're not going to leave anyone behind. It's much easier if you walk with us because if I have to drag you, I will. You can be kicking and screaming, but the doors are opening. The Lord is doing something in this nation. 
I'm not happy with the direction this nation is taking. So let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. Let's bring unity back into the church. I don't care what the other churches are doing. They can come with us and they're more than welcome. In fact, I want them to come with us. But if they don't want to, if they just want to look after entertainment and that, great, they can do that as well. We've got to redeem this land. The Lord has given us a mandate. He doesn't appear to you and say, this is what I've done without actually helping you get through it. Come with me, church. Come with me, church. Lord, we thank you today as we go into some more worship and some morning tea. We thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us. Lord, you've given us a purpose and a plan and a vision, Lord. And Lord, I, I hand it all over to you because I have no idea how to do it. But I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us as a church. You've chosen a church of fighters. You've chosen a church that have been chewed up and spat out from other churches. You've chosen a church full of believers, Lord, that knows what is wrong with the world and what is wrong with the church. Lord, use each and every one of us. Use each and every one of us, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just a quick one. I expect probably most of you here have YouTube at home and Facebook. Now, I love watching all the stuff that comes up from Refinery Life. That's all you have to put into YouTube and you'll get it. And also on Facebook. But on Facebook, I share it. And the beauty of me sharing it is not only do I get to see it and share it, but I see how many people are actually liking it. A lot of people might see it, but I also get 10, 12, 14 people like it. So that means it's the word is getting out there. We might not see the immediate reaction, but the word is getting out there. So if you've got Facebook and YouTube, Refinery Life and get on there and watch it and listen to it and share it. Amen. We'll provide the tools for you. You just have to click share. You know, our online ministry is much bigger than this church can actually be. Brother Sadhu's message from back in February, I think it was, has had about 28,000 views from this little church. Let's keep moving on to Perfection Church. Hallelujah. I think our senior pastor has given us a challenge and a question. His question is, are you with me? Can I see the hands who is with our pastor? Amen. So this is a battle that our pastor has made receiving for the past months for the love to marry this country and I myself has to drag myself to love this country because the Lord has called us for a purpose and probably this is the start and an act of faith a prophetic act they're going to Ottawa Canada this coming August and we know that they went to South Korea and to Israel from their own packets and now they're going to Ottawa if we want to be a part of them I would like to challenge you to sow a seed for that trip because that trip that they're going is to be used for the redeeming the land of Australia. This is for our own good as residents of this country. So if you're being touched, you're being led, probably you can pray for it. Ask the Lord and write it down. If we still have the envelopes, just write it down. If you don't have them today, 
just do some pledge. We want to send Pastor Gary and Pastor Amanda to their training so that when they are ready, we are with them as well when they come back. Amen? Hallelujah. So probably you can just write down on the paper and the ushers will just collect it from you. Who's looking forward to when we're away that Pastor Mel preaches? Um, and Pastor Shane as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, 16 says here, let your light shine before.